Here we go, man. Yeah. A milestone today, eh? A big milestone. So we just hit 300 subscribers. Um, really proud of that because uh, I think it wasn't that too long ago that we had like 37 or something. Yeah. In like th- the start of the year, I think. So that, that's a bit better. We've um, really steamrolled because we're, we're not far from our one year anniversary. Um, that would, would be around July. Yeah, yeah. So it's not too far off. Yeah. I mean, August was when it started to really start going. Yeah. But um, now I'm looking forward to it because it, it's taken a bit of time. Um, but I'm, I'm happy where it's going. I really am. Um, I mean, right now, I mean, to be honest, for 300 subscribers, that the podcast that we're doing today is actually pretty heavy in terms of content, to be honest. Like, um, yeah. I mean, firstly, starting off, Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira at UFC 262. Yeah. Um, I just finished watching the countdown today. I don't know if you have, but um, it's uh, it's damn good. And I like that the main and the Kona main event is tied together. Yeah. And, the, and the main ingredient is Charles Olivier and Tony Ferguson because they've already fought before. And this is kind of, you know, it was kind of that fight, Charles Olivier versus Tony Ferguson, that kind of they've diverted paths. Charles Olivier has continued his uh, win streak and has got his... Uh, He's able to, you know, get his first step towards the UFC lightweight title. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Tony Ferguson has actually, you know, increased his losing streak and is now fighting Benel Darius. And if he is to, you know, if he's to lose, then he's on a three-fight losing skid. And that's where there's questions on whether is this the same El Kukui that everyone fell in love with? Is he, you know, a lot of people are quite easy to, be really excited about Tony um, when he's doing well and think he's the boogeyman. He's insane. And look at all his, look at all his fights. Look how fucked up his opponents all are. Right? Look at their faces. They're all bloody. And look at him. And then as soon as he starts losing, that's when everyone starts going, "Oh, he's stupid." Look, look at his training footage. He's an idiot and things like that. Yeah. Um, well, you said this really, really well when we were watching fights. Like, you know, everyone loves you when you're on top, but then you lose one. Everyone like abandons you. Or they just question you. Yeah. Like uh, the same thing happens in in boxing. You know, um, look, it, look the same actually thing. just pointing. Just look what happened to uh, between Billy Joel Sanders and Canelo Alvarez. Now all of a sudden, Billy Joel Sanders has lost his title. Over the wound, so I don't, I don't think that it's like the is exactly what combat fans do. As soon as there's uh these there's the, an unbeatable kind of aura around someone until they lose, and then that's when the doubt creeps in and all and things like that. You know, the same thing happened with Connor when he lost to Nate Diaz, and everyone went, "Oh, now he's just terrible on the floor. He's an average fighter." He and, and that's when a lot of doubt creeps in for most fighters. And you can say the same thing about George Foreman. You know, after George Foreman lost to Muhammad Ali, everyone said about him, oh, um, does he have the skills to bounce back? Does he? And they, there was, uh, he used to be the proper boogeyman, the, the one-punch knockout power. It wasn't as skilled as everyone else, but he had that one-hitter-quitter Francis Ngannou power yeah. that just turned people's lights out. But yeah. then as soon as he lost, it was like, Oh, he's not as talented. He doesn't have the skill set as another one. Does he actually have the skills of a proper good boxer? Does he know the sweet science to actually? And that's when the doubt creeps in, you know. And I can say the same for Tony Ferguson. You know, it, when when we go back to Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira, really, it wasn't that long ago Charles Oliveira wasn't on a good skid in the UFC. Neither, well, the thing is, 
One thing I just got to bring up real quick. When it came to the countdown, did you notice how f- they just show footage from the Dan Hooker fight? Yeah. <laughs> they don't show any other footage or how good he is back in Bellator. Mm. But you're right about Charles Oliveira because it wasn't long ago when he um, was on that losing seat. But he hasn't lost in four years. His last f- loss was to Paul Felder. Mm. Since then, he's slowly like climbed his way back up the charts. And for uh, Chandler, uh, he lost to Prabish- uh was it pit, to Pitbull, mm. who, which was in t- back in May of 2019. Mm-hmm. So they both had significant amounts of wins from there. But the reason why, I mean, a lot of people are questioning this title match in, in particular is because we, uh, Charles Oliveira has gone on something like a phenomenal winning, uh, winning streak. But Chandler gets one fight in the UFC, even though he's on a four-fight winning streak, and mm. all of a sudden he gets to fight for the title. Again, I understand what the question like really is right there, but in terms of uh, what is it? In terms of resume, we can't doubt Chandler because even though he's from Bellator, some of the fighters who he goes up against in Bellator are still that high caliber. For example, Benson Henderson, who was a former lightweight champion. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it, it's just it's about. Really, it's an argument of like you know who deserve who deserves this more who who really deserves this more. For safe to say, if Michael Chandler wins, however, my money's on Oliveira. Mm. If Michael Chandler wins, then he's going to have to be ready for an absolute what what is the Shark Tank of the lightweight division? Because, for example, everyone's got eyes on Gagey. Where where does he sit in all this mess? Yeah, I mean, it's not like Michael Chandler hasn't got experience. He certainly has. And and it's not like he hasn't fought UFC caliber fighters. He has. Benson Henderson, uh, Eddie Alvarez come to mind, right? These top top stars in the UFC lightweight division. It's just that, unfortunately, Charles Oliveira has way more experience in the UFC, particularly, than Michael Chandler. And I certainly subscribe to the idea that the UFC are the pinnacle of, uh, you know, elite MMA. Now there is some crossover in certain certain um, promotions, but I definitely subscribe to the fact that Charles Olivier has a lot of UFC caliber experience. You know, and that that's what makes this fight very interesting because they, not only do they have a lot of in, uh, a lot of experience. They both have a high finishing rate as well. You know, Charles Olivier comes to mind because um, he's got about seventy percent, seventy percent of his wins are by submission with his amazing, um, amazing submission rate. He's very, very good at grappling, incredibly good. Um, yeah, and I think he holds the record for most submission wins. Yes, yeah. um, and he holds a ninety uh, across it's a ninety percent um, finish rate. Yes, so it's very high uh, high up there, and that's all. Whenever you get two people that have a fairly high finish rate, that that typically means it's gonna it's gonna be a banger fight. It's not gonna be some low, you know, sluggish, bland fight. These people are gonna go to war, especially when there's a vacant title on the line. Yeah. Um, Look, to be honest, I do favor Charles Oliveira just because of his, the amount of experience he's got in the in the UFC, particularly. And uh, Charles Oliveira, he, he's got more experience than Michael. You know, M- Michael is is very good, but he, like he said, I'm here for, a, I'm not here for a long time. Um, I'm here for a good time, yeah. right? And that, that that that's because 
he spent a lot of his career in Bellator now, yeah. and he's only now at his age being able to transition to the UFC. Yeah. Is exactly what he wants to quickly transition to from one fight, uh, a top five fight, straight into title contention. That's what he wants because it's, he's on time. It's the only issue is time is on Charles' side. Yeah. He's been able to accrue a lot more experience. He's got very, very good jiu-jitsu. Um, at, at the same time, though... Um, a lot of the a lot of the time he he's, he's very it doesn't really matter where you put Charles Oliveira he can submit you off his back yeah. uh, he's got a nasty guillotine um, he's done standing guillotines for fuck's sake yeah. and then Michael Chandler you know he, he he's got incredible power but he can he's a very very good wrestler yeah, yeah have you, he trains a lot with Kamaru Usman Kamaru Usman watching them doing his wrestling transitions with Kamaru Usman. You you would be very very impressed how smooth and the flow rate that he has when he's wrestling with someone who's as big as Kamara, who's much noticeably bigger and taller than him. Um, I think I think Michael can take Charles down. Yeah, I think he can. Um, but he, cer he certainly has a higher takedown average than Charles. Charles does not really take people yeah, down. But that's the thing. If I I agree with you, Michael definitely can take him down. Mm -hmm. But on the ground, I believe on the ground, um, Charles Oliveira will just be in. Because if you look at Charles Oliveira's um, BJJ paddock pedigree, he submitted Tony Ferguson. Well, he nearly submitted Tony Ferguson with that armbar, and he made it look literally look easy. I think another ten seconds. Yeah, even Tony would have had to tap. Yeah. Correct. Or it would have just gave. Yeah. But let's just look at the, the reality of what's going on. So you've got Charles Oliveira. He's 31 years old. He had a bad loss to Paul Felder, you know, TKO by elbows, second round. Since then, you go completely undefeated. You're 31. You go four year, four more years in the, sh in the UFC, in the, the biggest division of all time. And then you get the guy who just comes in, has one fight, you know, so, so you're saying that Charles Olivier's last fight was his loss to Paul Felder? Yes. Yeah, well, I was just saying. I'm just looking at the reality here. Here's, I'm just here's yeah, why. Yeah. It's not really about um, what I want. It's just the way it seems like a bet in terms of like a better headline for what's fair because the I feel like a lot of the people who are diehard fans of the UFC will want to turn turn to the Oliveira side because his story is a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more of an underdog story of a guy who came back from everything. And besides, Michael Chandler just comes in, has one fight, all of a sudden gets a title, mm -hmm. takes it off a kid who's been, sorry, I've taken it off a guy who's been fighting years and years and years. Because it, it, it then again, you know, just comes, if he just comes in and takes it off him, then, and he's also, if you, if you don't forget, Michael Chandler's 35. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not too far. Yeah. Between thirty two and thirty five is around your prime in the, yeah. in terms of MMA. Um, it, it is significant that you've you've brought up the Felder loss because yeah. he tapped the strikes. He actually yeah. he, Paul Felder made him quit. Yeah, and it's not very often that people tap the strikes. To be honest, um, it, it's not a common thing in the, in the UFC. Strangely enough, Tito Ortiz comes to mind, um, but you know. It's not. It's not co a common thing. Now, that would be considered to most MMA fighters probably a little bit embarrassing. You're not tapping to a submission. You're tapping to strikes. You know, it's not a doctor stoppage. It's not the ref um, stopping stopping the fight. Mm -hmm. You stop the fight. Yeah. You tapped. You quit. Yeah. Right. 
And that's not to say it's a, a crack on his mentality or anything like that. That's not true. What I'm saying is, for him personally, that was probably embarrassing, yeah. right? Not for us. Don't, don't think that about him at all. But he personally probably thinks it's embarrassing, which is why it seems like it made a change, mm-hmm. right? And those ne- next four years, you're telling me he didn't lose a single fight for four years and he's accrued such a... what? He's, uh, the amount of fighters he's got across his win streak... Yeah. They, they range, and that, that's what gives a, a good idea to me because Michael Chandler only has one fight for us to go off, and it was quite short. It didn't go for the full three rounds. Charles Oliveira, you know, we've seen a lot more time in the cage, despite him having a pretty low amount of time. He, on average, he only spends like six and a half minutes in the, in the cage, which would be just a minute. Uh, sorry, uh, one round and a little bit. Yeah. He's, he's a finisher. That's what he does. Um, I haven't that asked you this, but who do you think is going to win and how are they going to win? I think Charles will beat Chandler. Okay. Yep. And it's probably not so more important what I think that's going to happen. It's more important what Charles thinks. Mm. Olivier has said, I'm going to fucking knock him out. And he thinks he's going to knock him out in the first round. Um, Would history suggest that Charles could do it? On his end, yes. In terms of Michael Chandler, I think he's got it. He's got a solid chin. Um, the there have been points in in fights where he's been rocked and he's recovered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough. It's a really tough choice because I feel like Chandler could knock out a lot of people in the one fifty five. I don't know if he could. <sighs> that, that's the issue. The issue is also. He's fought Dan Hooker, and there was even larger height uh, difference um, between him and Hooker than there are Charles and and Michael now. So you can't. So that's not a huge argument for why he probably can't land the big punch. I just think Olivia's shoot boxing skills are just very high up there. The more amount of time he spent with Diego Lima sharpening his tools, the better he's got at finishing fights outside of submitting. And I think that is significant as well. I think Oliveira, I think he could submit Chandler. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was going to predict a round two submission. Something about that round two, man. The amount that, of that's true. That the amount of people that are losing in year. round two. <laughs> I, would, I would say maybe... That round two is dangerous. <laughs> I'm going to say round three. Round three? I'm going to say round three. That That... Yeah, I, I think round three, just solely because I think Chandler might even just give Oliveira the first round. Yeah. Just because Oliveira doesn't typically go to a... It, it doesn't really have... The amount of time he spends in the octagon each time is fairly fairly low. He has fast finishing rate, you know, mm-hmm. and a high finishing rate at that. I just think that Chandler might even let him take the first round. He's a he's a good competitor. That's what he he. I think he'll be able to try to transition it more into the second, third, and fourth, and fifth in order to win the fight. It's a really tough one to be honest, but I think Olivia could submit him in the third round. Mm-hmm. Speaking um, of submissions, we know we talk about knockouts. We usually talk a lot about knockouts yeah. and expect knockouts, but I honestly believe that these two main events could go through submissions. It's the same, which I believe with Tony Ferguson versus Bernardo Rouge. Yes. I d- 
don't expect a knockout, but I do kind of expect a submission or very uh, close submission attempts between the two because Ferguson is, uh, you know, one of a kind. He loves to set up that dust choke really, really well. He's known for doing that. You know, I got a feeling how I could see between Ferguson and Tadrush happen. I got a feeling it will go to distance, but that last round is very dangerous. Um, that particularly last, for Tony. Yeah, particularly for Tony, because we know Tony's got that next level gas tank. He does not get tired, trains six hours a day, and then he's notable for those last round finishes as well uh, against Bernal Rouge, whose uh, BJJ pedigree is just so high. And not even that, but Bernal's, um, if you actually think about it, Bernal and Tony's styles are very, very similar. I was going to say that in all, yeah. And s- they're very similar they're, uh, as well as their kind of physicality is quite similar as well. Uh, long limbs, the you know, the legs are the same size. They're almost the same height. The only difference is that uh, Tony has got a little bit of a reach advantage. He's got four and a half inch reach advantage. Um, they've both got four losses uh, and Tony's just got s- six more wins Sorry, under uh, his Tony's belt. Tony's got five losses. Really? Bernal's got four. Tony's got five. Who's Tony? Tony lost to. Tony lost to Charles, Justin, and sorry, uh, Michael Johnson back in two thousand. That's true. James, Jamie, Tony back in two thousand and nine, uh-huh. and Karen. This was a long time. Yeah, ago. I'm not counting the the last one. What's that one? Sorry. Well, what's that last one? Karen, that was back in All Star Boxing Cage in the Canon. That was back in 2009. Okay. So yeah, it was a he was in before he came to the UFC. Okay, sure. So four losses in the UFC. Okay, you're sure. correct about that. So yes. Um, and and when, when it comes with, with Tony, like, he's so wild. He's he's a wild man. He's 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 almost like a little bit of a mad scientist in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll, people have made a lot of comments about, oh, well, he's training with Freddie Roach. He's sharpening up at his boxing skills and things like that. I don't think it's that significant. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. Everyone says, "Oh, this is—is is this the f- like?" It's not the first time he's gone to gone to the wildcard gym. It's it's not the first time they've been training with each other for a considerable amount of time. He just spent a little bit more time there recently, meeting you know Ben Askren and GSP while they were there. Tony's so wild mm-hmm. with everything, and I think that his last camps have been very disjointed because he hasn't had really a coach. Yeah. He's had trainers. But he doesn't have a coach. Mm-hmm. And I think he's actually made some changes. Um, being 37, I think, he needs to make sure that he's got... He can't just run on heart and athleticism anymore. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a, having a proper game plan. And that game plan is typically produced by a head coach. And if you lack a head coach and you lack a strategy and you're thinking on the fly, which is what Tony does... It doesn't set up for a good camp. It doesn't have a specific goal and spe- specific workouts, specific regimes. I think now that other things are opening up and they're able to also get more training partners, that could be a difference as well. Because he also said, you know, he only trained five hours of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu against uh, prior to fighting Charles Oliveira, which is not a smart move, right? But with COVID and the pandemic occurring restrictions how are you supposed to get bodies in here to train with? It gets uh, very disjointed. I, uh, the issue with me with Tony is his age and the amount of damage he took in the Oliveira fight and the amount of damage he took in the Gaethje fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think 
it's probably still too soon to come back against Darius. I think Darius is just he's taken less damage. Considering it was only five months ago as well, then he lost yeah. the era. I, I think it's too soon. I think it's too soon. I think Tony's rushing it. And um, I think he's a wild man. I think he's incredibly creative. He's able to slice up people with his elbows and and often often just outworking people. But his gas tank is best suited for five-round main events. I'll tell you right now. Tony can go all day. But for those five-round main events, that's where Ferguson's gas tank is best suited for. When it came to when he fought Oliveira, he was, he was too slow in turning it up. You know, his intensity was still a little bit too slow. Um, and I think that's the issue with Tony. His gas tank is very, very good, but it's well-suited for five-round main events and things like that where he can draw out the fight. Um, yeah, I, I actually take Darius in this fight. Take Darius? How do you I, take Darius? I think Darius will beat him by decision. Mm. I think Tony might just sneak in that last round submission. You think so? I reckon. Uh, just, you know, I, I just don't want to count him out. But the, 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 the one thing I just got to bring up about Tony, um, not discrediting him, his wins or anything, but his last two wins, mm. one was by a doctor stoppage because Don Cerrone, you know, he blew his nose and then they couldn't continue to fight on. And the other one was corner stoppage when Anthony Pettis, uh, sorry, Anthony Pettis broke his hand. Mm. And then we were we have a, we had a bit of a debate about that one as well. We were arguing whatever or I, not. I, that I, f- I felt that his fight against Cerrone, I thought now when I it was a while ago, so I do need to think back to it. But I believe Ferguson was beating Cerrone up to that point, right? I I. I think we both agree on that, but I think we disagreed because you thought Tony was winning the fight when he was fighting Pettis. Mm. I thought Pettis was beating Ferguson. Um, I thought towards the end of the round, that's when Ferguson started to pour it on, but it was a bit too late. Um, And I think that the fight would have been different if had Pettis not of broke his hand. However, you can only say so much because Tony's cardio is second to none. So... And you can only say, with fights, you can only say, oh, well, this could have happened. It's a fight. There's always there's always a, you know, Tony could go in for an Imanari role and just, and just fucking break someone's leg. <laughs> like, th- that's the thing with a fight, and especially with someone like Tony, he's wild. You yeah. know, the, he does stuff that is creative and no one under... It, it's And it's typically the strikes that knock people out. And Yuri Prohaska's uh, win over Dominic Reyes comes to mind. It's the strike that you don't see is what knocks you out. Yeah. And that was what happened with Reyes getting knocked out by that spinning elbow. So could Tony get one of those uh, those spinning elbows or knock someone out with an elbow as Darius comes in to take him down or to you know, cut the distance and Ferguson just does a short elbow, cracks Darius, puts him back on his, on his back. And Ferguson comes in and puts in br- brutal, uh, brutal ground and pound. I don't know, but uh, I think Ferguson is inc- just like the gym's uh, Fred Roach's gym. He's a wild card. That's what makes him so special and so entertaining. But I think Darius, I think Darius will win. Mm. I think uh, I think he's more hungry. I think Tony's maybe a little bit burnt out. Two interim belts, not getting the stuff he deserves. I think Darius is too. He's hungry. Too hungry. He hasn't tasted a belt. Even yeah. an interim belt, he hasn't tasted it. Yeah. So I think I think Darius will beat him. Um, also coupled with Ferguson's 
I think Ferguson has a trouble with adjusting to the three rounds and putting his intensity up rather yeah. than prolonging it as if it was a five-round event. I felt like when he fought Oliveira, he really could have been throwing so much more volume. Um, I think it, yeah, he, he could have been throwing, uh, again, he was on his back and plus getting controlled, but. Plus we argue that, you know, if the Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson could have gone a different way if it was five rounds. We, I remember yeah. we talked about that. Yeah, so I think so. I, th- I, I think so, for sure. Anyway, so also, fucking hell, the main card's so bloody stacked. We got Jack Manson versus Edmund Shabazian as mm-hmm. well for that. Now, the reason why I like this fight is because it's a matchup between the young upcoming superstar mm-hmm. who's only got one loss on his uh, on his stri- on his record, and then you got the you you got the veteran who is hoping to you know sort of get his status up there a little bit because. Jack Manson's only last loss was to Marvin Vittori. Now we can Marvin Vittori is going to be fine for the title, mm-hmm. and the one be- his loss before that, so his last fight before that was Kelvin Gastelum, and he lost to Jaron Caronier, who Jaron Caronier is you know again up on the um up on the ranks. The thing is, I I really like Edmund Shabazzian's style. I like that he's young, you know, the young talent. He's only twenty three. His last lot fight was his loss against uh Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson. And I like these kind of fights because when you got two fighters who are both coming off losses, mm. you know, they, 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 no one wants to lose two times in a row. No. I mean, that, so they're going to put on a bit of a show. I do, be, I, I do believe that this one is going to go to uh, Hermanson for predominantly um, two reasons. One, his, of course, his, his experience in fighting in general, but his experience in terms of opponents. That's a good point. Because Jack Manson's lost to the killers of the middleweight division. Like we're talking cream of the crop. Edmund Shabazian, he's got definitely some good names that he's beaten. But Derek Bronson, where does he stand in the top ten? Is he even in the top ten? Derek Bronson, of course he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where does he stand? I believe he's just outside of the top five of the middleweight division. Yeah. I think he's around seven. Yeah. So let, me, let me just quickly check yeah. while you so continue. So that's just my main reason why. Uh, but one thing I love about Shabazzian is his finish rate is insane. In number seven, number seven, seven. In all of his fights, only one has ever gone to. Um, in all of his uh, twelve fights, only one's gone to decision. Impressive for someone only being twenty three years old. Yeah, so incredible. That's, that's just why I feel like we're going to see some fireworks here between the two. Yeah, I think that with Edmund Shabazian, he's, uh, I mean, he's got a very controversial coach being Ronda Rousey's um, ex-head coach. Mm-hmm. He's a funny, he's a funny dude. <laughs> he's a funny looking dude as well, to be fair. But um, Ed- Edmund Shabazian, he's incredible on the feet. And I think that the reason why he lost to Brunson is perhaps he was thinking a little bit too much about the, the takedown of Brunson. And that's what opens up the strikes. And I think that could be a potential... Not a hole in Brunson's game. Oh, sorry, not Brunson. Uh, Shabazian's game, but perhaps something that he he, t- he typically only wins by TKO, right? Uh, typically on the feet, or uh, and then he's very good in ground and pound and things like that. However, he's only got one submission win. Uh, I think the reason why he lost to Brunson is perhaps he was thinking a little bit too much about the takedown, and that's what opens up the hands. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Jack and Manson. Very good at the ground. And Jack Manson's actually been quite uh, vocal about saying 
he could have the skill set to beat Israel Adesanya because he said Israel Adesanya's bottom game isn't so good. My my bottom and my top game is very very good. So with Jack Manson, I you, you know I agree with your point that it's not just the volume of experience he has; it's also it's also the quality of the fighter he's he's fought. You know he's lost to Marvin Vittori, who's now going to fight Israel Adesanya for the second time. Right? He built beat Calvin Gaslam, who who took a very uh, you know fairly close fight uh, with Izzy. Um, as well, he lost against Jared Cannonier, but he he beat uh, Ronaldo Souza coming from Strike Force. That that's a that's a big win as well. Um, he's also got uh, for Jared Mershaw and Tiago Santos as well. So uh, again, Tiago Santos um, wasn't the best in middleweight. He was more of a he, he certainly found his stride at light the light heavyweight division. But he's Jack Manson's just fought much more notable quality fighters uh i mean edmund shabazi and the only two ones that probably come to mind is brad tavares he's a very good middleweight oh, yeah. as well as um derek brunson i i definitely i take jack manson in this fight and, and i think that the 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 reason why i think that will work not just on the ground but on the feet as well is i think that Shabazian will be thinking too much about the getting taken down i think he'll be I think he'll be thinking a little bit too much, and that might be because the, of the lack of experience as well. Being twenty-three, that uh, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough. I, he could definitely bounce back after his loss against Derek Brunson, but I feel like being twenty-three, and uh, there's just a hole in how much experience you can accumulate in so much period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jack is just so good on the ground and he can really threaten the takedown, which means he can mix up going for the takedown and just come up to the top and and, and smash Edmund. I think that I think Hermanson is just just a higher level than Edmund Shabazian at this point in time. I think if Edmund Shabazian stays stays in the UFC, similar to, you know, Connor, Max Holloway, Calvin Gastelum, they all came into the UFC very, very young. Yeah. Right? Oh, as well as John Jones, right? They all came in, came into, these people just come to mind. They were very young when they started in the UFC. They're still around and they are the best of the best in the UFC. I could see Shabazzian be one of those people one day, right? It's just too soon to be thrown at Jack Hermanson because Jack is very, very good on the ground. Correct. How? One more point, just to finish it off. Are they a fit, the actual prediction? Oh, no, 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 for the prediction, just for a more perspective. Mm. If Edmund, Shab- this is great experience for Edmund Shabazz. Oh, fuck because yes. Because it's the highest ranked opponent he's had. Exactly. And every po- opponent you can lose. So let's say if Edmund Shabazz, even though he even lo- th- th- loses, in theory, I'm not saying in practice, but in theory, he can take he can take this back and say, hey, I'm 23 years old. I fought a guy who's been in the UFC for nearly a decade, uh, been fighting for pretty much longer than I've been alive. Than I've been alive. Uh, to be honest, I, I would also counter that by also saying Shabazzian's kind of being kind of pushed really fast. Yeah. He lost to Derek Brunson, who's number seven. And now then he's he, fighting number five. Now he's feeling, it's, it's very strange. You and know he's what I mean? Number, he's 11. Edwin Shabazzian. It's being pushed so hard. Yeah. But I'm I'm just saying, if he wins, I mean he ma- it makes him look like a superstar. It makes him come back, and I mean they couldn't think of any better. That's a massive back. jump. Yeah, it's, it's a, a massive jump. jump. I mean, but 
even though he's 11 and it's fifth, that's six places. Do you believe that they will let him go to fifth or they'll let him jump up a few spots? I think he'll let him yeah, take, take his place. It depends. The, the rankings are all very weird because you can jump up places and then a couple of weeks later you can jump back down, mm-hmm. right? So they're not set in stone and it might even be also how he wins, not just who he beats. Mm-hmm. So, but I take Jack in this fight and I think Jack and Manson mm-hmm. uh, will beat him to a decision. I actually believe that too. I think you'll beat him to that or a submission. I think it's anyway. So yeah. next up, we've also got uh, Shane Barboza and Shane yeah. Burgess versus uh, Shane Burgos. Yeah, yeah. I'm super super hyped for this one um, because the last time we saw Shane Burgess fight was actually when we filmed the very first sorry Shane uh, Burgess fight was when we filmed the very first episode of this podcast when what he fought Josh Emmett. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yes, that was a brilliant fight. And that, yeah, so in June 2020, um, mm. and it, yeah, well, yeah, you're right, definitely about that fight because fucking Shane has got a fucking chin on him, you know, mm. especially against just Emmett, um, who can crack? He's got that overhand, that overhand left, and Shane's only got two losses on his streak, and now he's hoping to build up his resume a little bit. And what better uh, fight to do that against Edmund Barboza, who's probably even though he's not, uh, you know, he's a bit of a, uh, he's a bit. I would say he's a bit of a gatekeeper. It, he, but he's got the probably one of the best highlight reels ever. Those spinning back kicks and those spinning hook kicks, you know, and those bo- those body kicks. It, like it's interesting to see where he is now, moving yeah. down to bantamweight because at featherweight. His skills were recognized yeah. very, very highly, especially yeah. striking as well. Um, I mean, he's good on the he's good on the ground as well. He's just more well known for his striking, especially his uh, spinning wheel kicks and, mm-hmm. and uh, spinning hook kicks and things like that. It's an interesting fight because Bogus has an abs- absolute chin, but he's wild as well. He's a very interesting uh, man to watch. Uh, Michael Chandler even says himself. Um, that's his favorite fighter to watch in the UFC. Um, you know, as in, he had a little bit of an issue when it came to the featherweight division. Yeah, because um, he had three losses in a row to Gagey, to Felder, and to Ige. It's not like he didn't fight the best of the yeah. best. Yeah. Um, the, the the issue is, were they? It, it, can he still crack at the same high level? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, with Edson moving down to bantamweight, it was an interesting thing to see him fight at a lower weight class because I was didn't really think he could get strip any more fat off him. When he was at featherweight, very very cut, you know, he's, and he's fit, fought at lightweight before as well. I had no idea how he could move down to bantamweight. It's similar to like uh, a Frankie Edgar moving from lightweight to featherweight then to bantamweight. It's very interesting because you can't imagine them getting any smaller. No. <laughs> so I wonder if perhaps this bantamweight favors Barboza's striking style. And in order to keep the weight down, he's got to do an enormous amount of cardio and aerobic conditioning, which will then translate to a really high output when it comes to his striking on the feet. Um, look, he's on a one fight win streak. Uh, you know, now that he's moved down to the bantamweight division, 
But it, it wasn't that long ago that he was on a three-fight losing streak in the featherweight division. You know, he's he's transitioned from lightweight to well uh, to, to featherweight and now to bantamweight. You know, he's c- accumulated a lot of fights in the UFC. He's been around for such a long time. Do you think he can be around the up-and-coming uh, hungry dogs like Shane Burgos? The, the, the problem with being at that age and... When you lose, people kind of sort of count you out a little bit more. You know what I mean? If you're young and you lose, I understand experience. But if you're much, much, much older and you've been fighting around for the same time that he's been fighting around, you're more likely to sort of get counted out towards the end. Yeah, I mean, he's only 35. But to be fair, he's been in the UFC for 11 years. I think his first fight was 2010. Yeah, and he's had some hard losses, man. He's had that doctor stoppage he to lost to Kevin Lee. Mm-hmm. And then he's even had that fight against Khabib Nurmagomedov and everyone was just looking at, like, look at saying, oh my God, look at his face, look at his face, it says it all. Mm. And then not even that, but he's lost to Tony Ferguson as well when he had that, his face looks like a train wreck. Again, again so he's just, he's just had some hard losses and it's mm-hmm. just, I wonder how much he can take. And then he won his last fight, which was... Um, can't really pronounce the name, but is, I think it's... Mark Wanamirkani. Thank you. I'm glad you did that, so I didn't have to. It's okay. <laughs> and there was a decision, and it was a unanimous decision. And I, I recall in that fight, he looked a lot more quicker. He looked faster. I think his output was pretty high as well. Yeah. It's an interesting opponent because it's actually a common opponent between Edson Barboza and Shane Burgos. Right. The fight before Josh Emmett, and I must say, I like Josh Emmett, but that, like that's a... That's a cracker of a fight if you want to see Shane Burkos' skills as well. Mm-hmm. That that was a cracker of a fight. I, I I don't believe was that even a that wasn't a main event. That was on a that was underneath the main event. Yeah, wasn't I it? think the main event wasn't it. It was on the Poirier and um, Poirier and um, Hooker. Yeah, I think so I think it was. It was a damn good fight. It was damn a good fight. damn good fight. But the the uh, the the fight previous to that fight uh, with Josh Emmett. He fought um, Emi Akani as well, and he knocked him out in in the third round. <laughs> so, if you're going to, uh, the only reason why I bring that up is because Barboza, you can look at his lightweight uh, record, and you can look at his resume at featherweight, noticeably featherweight, um, and you can be like, "Oh, look who he's fought," but they're not in the bantamweight division. How do we bring them to level ground and actually give an honest assessment? Well, we bring up. If they have a common opponent, how did they both do? Mm-hmm. Shane knocked him out and Edson took him to a decision. Did Edson look very dominant and look really good in that fight? Fuck yeah. Did Shane Burgos look really good against Amir Khani? Of course he did. Mm-hmm. But who did it better? Shane. Who's younger? Shane. Who has accumulated less damage in the UFC? Shane. Who's arguably got a tougher chin? Shane. Is Edson Bar- Barboza a wild card? Yeah. Yes. yes. But I would take Shane in this fight. I think Edmund is... Uh, Ed, sorry, not Edmund. Uh, Edson Barboza is incredibly good on the feet. But I think the amount of damage he's accumulated has kind of... It, it questions on the level of ability that he currently has, Right. 
And I think Shane is just a hungry dog rising up in the bantamweight division, and that's his natural weight um, of where he fights at. Yes, he has less experience, right? But he's not a young dog. Yeah. He's 30 years old, coming into his prime. Edson is moving out of his prime and in a fresh new division. We don't even know if maybe Barboza will be able to make that weight. I still question how the fuck he made weight the first time. Yeah. Right? Um, obviously using the nutritionist, but I think... I, I'm actually going to say Shane Burgos is going to knock out Edson Barboza. Really? I think he's going to knock him out. Sec- I believe it's second round. decision. I think he's going to knock him out second round. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on to there. Now, we got a... This is a little bit of a sad topic to, to get into mm. because, first of all, I don't like to... Um, say anything negative about Donald Cerrone because um, he's probably one of the first fighters I ever watched and he's the guy who I've always respected so much because he's had so many fights within the UFC. He's always been like anytime, anywhere, any place, mm. all that. And just all around, he's just an all-star, all-star bloke. He fought Alex Marino and, oh man, it it was hard to watch for me because... It was right up until the end where I was just like, nah, he's, I think it was after, I think the moment I feel like, oh, sorry, I remember watching that and I went to myself, oh no, when as soon as the bell rang and they touched gloves, Alex straight away went in for that takedown and he threw him right against the cage and then it was just all these, just landing all these strikes. Now, Donald, he... I'm not saying it was bad, but if you compare him to what he was a couple years back, there's a there's a big decline. There's a massive decline because he ha- Donald hasn't won since May 2019. Mm. Since then, I think he's had five losses. Five losses officially, but yeah. really it's six. Um, the Nico Price loss got overturned. I believe it was marijuana. Okay. Um, officially, it's six. Okay. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Um, Look, it's sad because it's not like he didn't fight the best of the best, okay? The one thing was to check if he was uh, legit was the fight against Alex Morono. Now, Morono, he's an ex-LFA welterweight champion. Um, But in terms of experience in the UFC, not the highest caliber fighters has has he fought against, right? Until he's fought Cowboy. He was able to take Cowboy out in the first round. Dominated that entire fight. Cowboy just did not look the same. Um, he just looked so hesitant, maybe patient, but bordering hesitance. Um, he was mainly just absorbing blows um, and blocking them. He wasn't so much attacking. And I'm not too sure if that same fire is still there. He's, he is, after the fire said, look, there's a difference between how I feel inside and how I'm performing, and I don't know where that's at. If he does get another fi- fight in the future, which I question if that's going to be a thing, um, I think he sees a sports psychologist. Yeah, I think he should see a sports psychologist um, because there's there's a lot of good stuff coming from that. Um, I I think someone that comes to mind is Anthony Pettis. Although he's lo- he again he lost his PFL um, debut, he said that helped him a huge amount. Um, you know, I I just think that he could really benefit from something like that in terms of sports psychology, because I feel like Cerrone's mental toughness is up there, right? But there seems to be a difference between how he is in the gym and how he is on 
in the octagon. And I think that in order to flesh out, see why that is and actually change that, I think he needs to see a sports psychologist in, in order to change that. Yeah. That being said, what kind of opponents has he been thrown? Yeah. yeah. To- Tony? Arguably the Tony fight, he kind of lost it himself just because he blew his nose yeah. and it just blew his eye socket up and, and that you can't see out of the eye so it becomes a doctor stoppage. Lost a Pettis, lost a Connor, lost a Gaethje. Lost a Gaethje. Yeah. Um, now he's lost a Morona and he lost a Nico Price. Look, he's been thrown the best of the fucking best out yeah. there, right? It's no shame. Uh, even Morono, ex-LFA uh, welterweight champion, y- you can't take that away from him. Um, yeah. It's yeah. just a. It's it's more that in that first round we didn't see much of the old cowboy, and I get that's what you're talking about. You didn't see an old cowboy. You saw an old cowboy that wasn't wasn't angry or excited or hungry. Yeah, he well didn't look passionate. He just looked quiet. Yeah, arguably he was his best when he fought um, Mike Perry and Alex Hernandez. I thought the Hernandez was a big turn in yeah. what he looked like. That was sure. when everyone's like, oh, this is a new cowboy because I believe it was that fight where... No, maybe it was the one before when his son, Danger, was just born. I think it was the Hernandez fight yeah. because Hernandez was also making it personal uh, and and trash-talking and being quite aggressive with yeah. cowboy and cowboy uh, was like, hey, I'm going to fuck him up. And that's yeah. what he did, right? Um, that's just the issue with, with some of these fights sometimes. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's not over though um, He I believe Donald says He wants one more fight he said, I don't know if he'll get that Yeah though. I don't think he'll get it I don't think they, I think they might deny it For him for, f- But He If he gets a fight Whoever it is God hope he wins And then He's like okay Hanging up the cowboy hat now And then He can go live his life On his ranch And do all those awesome things That he does so. it, It's It's just sucks though Because like Because you don't want to see him lose. I don't want to keep. I don't want to see him keep losing, and then because if you think about it, he's got thirty six wins, sixteen losses. I don't want to see that loss thing go up. I want him to be remembered as the guy who fucking was the badass who could take it any time anyway, not the much older gentleman in the uh, thing. He just keeps getting beaten up. You know? I think he's just getting beaten up, and he's almost becoming uh, a gatekeeper. Yeah, for the lightweight and the welterweight division, it's kind of just. Well, how good is he against Don Cerrone? And that that's that's the that's the marker. That's the that's the satisfactory level to see how well he does. And it's a shame because you know, it wasn't that long ago that people were saying this is the new Cerrone. Yeah. You know, this is the this is the new guy. This is the guy that's angry. Look at him. He looks amazing. And I think that some of his losses have just been so devastating that perhaps it's uh it's made someone like Cerrone who gets very nervous um, very significantly, very anxious and nervous before fights every time. Maybe even more, even more nervous. That that's the thing. Um, look, he was getting dominated in the clinch. He w- and he was getting dominated on the feet. Um, I mean, Morono connected with tw- uh, with twice as many strikes. Um, which means Cerrone's Cer- absorbing t- twice as many strikes as he is. You know, his opponent is getting is absorbing. You know, and, and that's significant because the first round wasn't even over yet. And uh, Cerrone had only connected with maybe 18 shots. Yeah. Even in the clinch, he only threw one strike. Only connected with one strike. It's a shame with Cerrone because, look, 
for he's been around for so long prior to the UFC as well. Um, it's just it's a fucking shame. I wish he I wish he just went out on a win, and yeah. then he said, yeah. uh, and that that's what would be great for Cerrone, someone like Cerrone. Um, but props just to Morono did very very well. Uh, he was the underdog actually uh, in terms of the betting odds. And Cerrone was number 15 um, in the lightweight rankings, I believe. Um, so was it a lightweight? No, I think that was a welterweight fight, actually. I think that was a welterweight fight, actually, to be honest. Um, which is weird because Cerrone actually had said, uh, and he'd also talked to Chael Sutton and said, look, I'm so motivated. I'm going to do one more run for the title at 155. And that's what sucks because... Now it looks like that won't actually come to from fruition, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, also, come from this weekend's fights, we had of course Neil Magny versus Jeff Neil. Now, one thing I liked about this fight is it was very evenly matched. Yes, like I particularly uh, that first round. Yeah, like even though uh, Neil Magny won, but safe to say it was there was a lot of action in that fight, and. Like he did win on the judge all judges scorecards, but it was only like one point on each judge's scorecard or a couple of points on one judge's uh, scorecard. I, it wasn't I, I agree. I think I think Neil probably could have got maybe the first round. Yeah. And Magni took second and third. Yeah. And I think with Neil, I think Neil should be very I, I really like watching Neil because he's got very, very crisp hands. And yeah. he's called hands of steel for, for a reason, but he did a beautiful um he he was fighting Neil, and Neil was um, he just popping off that jab, popping off that jab, and it was working really well against Neil. But Neil had particular moments in the fight that just it looked so picture perfect. He had one he slipped out on the outside, and did a beautiful crisp uppercut that caught Magni flush, and uh, I, I j- he's got really really crisp boxing technique. Mm-hmm. I just would have liked if he he put more pressure on Magni. When he put Magni on the back foot, that's yeah. what made Magni a bit upset. And that's why Magni started using that front tip, that front push kick in order to use his range. And then he used his jab a lot more. That's what his coaches were telling him the second and third round, you should jab more, you should jab more. And um, that's what he was using Neil to keep at range. I think Neil should have maybe tried a little bit more to cut the distance. He was doing it. He was being a little bit too inactive in the second and third round, particularly the third round for me. And I think that, I think Neil probably should have thrown a lot more strikes um, when it was against Magni. I th- he's Neil's very good. I know Magni won the fight, but I was very impressed by Neil's boxing technique. It's very crisp yeah. and it's very sharp, and he packs a lot of power in those punches that are very short in the clinch. Yeah. I just think that um, I think Neil could have been a lot more busy, and it could have been uh, it could have made the fight a lot more close. I think for Neil Magni, what could have got him a little bit better was just uh, his takedowns. He yeah. attempted two, 10 takedowns, only succeeded in two of them. Uh, but what is and Jeff, uh, so Jeff, he attempted to, got one, but, you know, and there was just a lot more exchanges and a lot more strikes. For Neil Magny here, I mean, he had 174 uh, strikes, which was more than double of what Jeff, fro- Jeff Neil, um, fro. Mm. It's funny how one's Neil spelled N-E-I-L. The I, know, spelled I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's a loss for uh, Jeff Neal, but it wasn't a 
it wasn't a bad loss, really. I mean, it was a that second round close. was fairly close, you yeah, know. Like, yeah, I can't really. You can't. It's it's one of those fights where you go, yeah, they were great. There's nothing really bad. I have anything to say about the other. I mean, I feel like maybe he just needed a little bit more time to get going. Yeah, and I think Magny's cardio was used very well. Yeah. His cardio and his reach were used to just extend that lead after the second round. I think. Uh, I think. That second round was close. Yeah. I think that was close because I think Neil was doing a little bit better in the clinch. Yeah. But um, Magni used his cardio and he used his reach, particularly with the jab and that front leg teep. Um, and it just kept hitting Neil. And perhaps that's why Neil started to slow down around after the second. Yeah. Because he's just hitting him in the bread basket. And that's just is that's where, you know, you start to see a little bit of the conditioning start to fall off and the cardio decline right. and the amount of output so perhaps when i'm saying maybe neil could have been a bit more busy maybe well, he probably thinks that too but you know there is there's not a lack of cardio it's just those those teams were just effective and that's just how it goes um i think magni just slowed them down used that reach really well and he just was first that's what magni did really well he was he was first yeah. um with that jab it was uh, just a great fight great yeah, fight that jab helped him a lot in that especially in that third round mm -hmm. because he had like 90 um, attempted strikes and 32 succeeded. Neil only uh, threw 19 and only ten, well, 10 landed, which is specifically high. But just in terms of output, I feel like the judges were like, oh, round one to Jeff, uh, round two to Neil, uh, to, sorry, round one to Neil, round two to Magni. Okay, let's decide it. What is it? Round three, just an hour in the coffin. Mm. That's all I can really say. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where both of them head next. Yeah, I mean, um, well, what's interesting is that the rankings have moved a little bit about. I mean, Lawler hasn't fought in a long period of time and he's still number 10 in the rankings, which is very strange. Um, I believe Neil was number 10 at the time and he's now dropped a ranking. Magni's number 9. He's already fought, fought Chiesa. Um, I think it would be interesting. F what, what, what do you think would be interesting for Magni at this period of time? Because he's... He's a very busy man himself. I mean, prior to uh, you know Chamayev and uh, Kevin Holland coming to mind, he's similar to Cerrone in that he's very active, mm -hmm. right? Who we just talked about as well. So I would like to see Magni fight someone very soon. We know that we know that Kamaru is on the sidelines and perhaps going to fight uh, maybe Kiesa. You know, that's a weird fight. Um, Colby's on the sidelines. Burns is fighting uh, Thompson. Luke is going to be fighting. I remember who Luke's fighting. I think Luke's on the side actually. Yeah. Um, unless he's fighting, I don't know actually. Um, and then Jorge, he'll be on the side for a little bit after that brutal knockout as well. So perhaps I'll, I'll do you one better for Magni, Ma uh, below Muhammad. But Muhammad's fighting Leon Edwards. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, I think that Neil Magny, I think Neil Magny versus Robbie Lawler or Neil Magny versus um, uh, Jorge or Luque would be very interesting. Neil Magny fought Robbie Lawler back in 2020. So last year. It, it's just it's a hard place. because kind of. I just want Lawler to get a fight because it's been quite a long period of time and he's been around for such a, a long, yeah. a long stick in the UFC. I like to, I like to just see some a little bit of activity when it comes to Lawler. 
Yeah. To be honest. Well, um, I, I think with Neil Magny, I think he could fight maybe a Luke or a, or a Masvidal or a Maya. Um, I think that that would be good. Yeah. yeah. Now, moving on. Uh, out of all the fights that I watched, there was no... I mean, we when we're watching UFC, we don't want to be biased. You want to be a little bit more objective. But I would definitely say I was biased in the fight between Gregor Gillespie and Carson. I was a bit biased as well, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted Gregor Gillespie to come back. We talked about him uh, not too, not that long ago. I think two well. weeks two weeks ago we spoke about Gregor because his fight um, against Kevin Brad Lee. Riddell that got pulled. Oh yeah, Brad oh, Riddell. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. But it was the reason why I wanted him to come back uh, because he lost to Kevin Lee and it was a brutal head kick and. Like Gillespie was on something of a, of an amazing winning streak as well in the UFC, and then he hadn't lost before at all. So that's one thing to put him up as a uh, what is it? Put him up as sorry as an exciting fighter, but also he's got a significantly good finish rate. He loves to pull the arm triangle choke, mm-hmm. and you know so he was something of an upcomer. Uh, and then he loses, and then he goes away, and now he comes back, and he got not. But here's the other thing: when he fought Castiel Ferreira, it was such an exciting fight because it was so back and forth. Like one point, uh, Gillespie had Ferreira's back, and then Ferreira had Gillespie's back, and then it was just a back and forth. And then I thought Di Carlos was going to get rear naked at one point, and then Gregor. Uh, Gillespie reversed it, and then all of a sudden they get back up and they start exchanging blows. So, especially after that first round, because um, I, I would say with Gregor, he just for someone that has really high cardio, mm-hmm. like really really good conditioning, he looks so tired after that first round. Second and third, they had to go like, oh, sorry, not not second third. Round. Well, if it was good to go to the third round, but. You could tell if it was going to go to the the f- end of the second round and the third round, mm-hmm. you knew Gillespie's conditioning was going to keep going. Yep. You know, and it was fortunate for Vieira to be stopped in the second round because you did not want to see a third round because uh, Gillespie, he's really interesting to watch on Instagram because his his workouts are incredibly long, incredibly vigorous and and tough. He has such a high level of wrestling, wrestling as well as his aerobic conditioning. Mm-hmm. He can just he just outworks people and he makes them quit. And that's exactly what he did with Carlos Diego Fiera. He just Fiera had his moments uh, during the fight, taking taking his back, and there was a there was some points in the second round where they were just they were just scrambling, scrambling back and forth. But with only nine seconds left in the second round, TKOs Fiera. I think I thought he did really really well. Took his back, flattened him out, just smashed him. Yeah. Although these were not like massive strikes, the ground the pound. You know, you, you couldn't. You had to wave that off. He wasn't protecting himself. He wasn't intelligent. Um, defense, and uh, he just poured on him. Greg Gregor's wrestling is so good, yeah. and he's just a grinder, dude. He's just a grinder. He like. There was points in the fight where he'd attempt a takedown. It wouldn't work. He'd just go back into the takedown. Wouldn't work it. Yeah. Well, he goes back into the takedown. And that's something you don't really see in the UFC because you just telegraph it. But that's something that you do see in wrestling, which is Gillespie's, you know, that, that that's what he does. He's yeah. very, very good. I think, didn't Gillespie beat Michael Chandler when it came to straight wrestling, actually? 
question you might want to fact check me. I'm going to fact check that. Yeah. I believe he did beat Michael Chandler at one point. Well, one, one other uh, point I've got to just bring up about Diego Ferrer is how good of a caliber fighter he is. He was uh, undefeated and he was the legacy uh, fighting championship uh, lightweight champion. And then he vacated the belt to come to the UFC. And then he was putting away a couple of fighters in the UFC until he fe- until he lost to Bernal Derouche and Dustin Poirier. Mm. So he's got some phenomenal experience. And after Dustin Poirier, he went on a six-fight winning streak. And then until finally he lost again <laughs> to Bernal Derouche. Mm. So, which was... Via decision, and it was a split decision. The first time was again was a unanimous decision. So he's got two losses on the same guy, and then Greg Gillespie. Here's the thing: for um, Diego Ferrer, it's thirty six, and Greg Gillespie's thirty four, and one was eleventh, and one was twelfth. Those kind of fights where they're e- very, very evenly matched in mm-hmm. terms of style as well, in terms of rankings, are just much, much more enjoyable to watch, in my opinion. And that's why I was pretty um. In terms of like, and especially with the way the fight went, it was one way than the other. I was, oh, again, yeah. pretty happy. With I, I'd love to see maybe. I know that straight after the fight, a lot of people were saying, um, specifically Ali Abdulaziz saying, and as well as Habib saying, um, Islam Makhachev should get the fight against Gregor Gillespie. Um, look, it'd be a great fight. They're very closely ranked. It's just most likely Gillespie is going to get a top ten. And Islam will also be looking for a top 10 as well. Um, oh. Obviously, Kevin Lee is at number 11, but Kevin Lee has been out of commission for a little bit um, after he beat Gregor Gillespie, then lost to uh, Charles Oliveira. Then he's taken a considerable amount of time off just to sharpen the skills. He has made some type of message that he's going to come back. We just don't know when. But I'd like to see Gregor move up and maybe fight, um, maybe Felder. Or yeah. RDA or something like that. Yeah. But it is questionable about Felder being able to fight since he's also juggling his commentary uh, role. The I'm just coming back to what I was before. Yeah, no, I was correct. Greg Gillespie actually did beat Michael Chandler in the 2009 NCAA Championship. 2009. 2009. Oh, so that was... A considerable amount of time ago, right? But he beat Michael Chandler, who we always talk about Chandler's wrestling ability and how good he was. He beat Chandler, mm. right? And they're both in the same weight class, so... You know, that would be an interesting fight. Um, imagine if Michael Chandler could fight um, Craig Gillespie in, in, the, in the UFC oh. outside of a, a wrestling match. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Like, uh, Craig Gillespie beats Michael Chandler to, in 2009 in a pure wrestling, ta- wrestling tournament. And then Michael Chandler then fights Craig Gillespie. Uh, I know they're very, very far in terms of ranking. That's very, very far ahead. But that would be very cool to see as well. Here's one thing I think I would be pretty good as well. Because we talked about Greg Gillespie losing mm-hmm. to Kevin Lee. Mm-hmm. How about if... Did you want to see a rematch or something? Oh, no, no. Kevin Lee versus Islam, Islam Makhachev. I'd love to see that. that. I think that's a so that's a crack good. of a fight. Islam, so Islam particularly deserves a, yeah. a more, more of a top 10 fighter. But uh, Kevin Lee, number 11, look, if he's higher ranked, you just take the fight. And I think that would be sick for Islam. That would be so good because Islam Makhachev, he's just slowly building up the ranks. He absolutely squashed Drew Dober. Mm. Like, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even a close fight. And he beat him from the half... He beat him with an arm triangle choke from the half guard. Mm. He, and... Uh, he's just tired, dude. He's he was tired, just tired. But not even that. But how Islam Makhachev's, like, fighting style, again, is that dominant uh, wrestling and... 
round and pound and you know when we talk about the thing like the Dagestani handcuff and uh that yeah. sambo wrestling just yeah. makes you quit yeah. just makes you quit and they the only reason why the sambo wrestling style works is you well it does work to a great degree but you have to have really really good conditioning which is what habib and islam have yeah they just have to be able to grind yeah and the other point i've got to bring up is just like kevin lee he likes to knock out wrestlers Great, let's be knocked him out, head kick. There you go. So I, I'd love to see that fight particularly as well because Kevin Lee was always said to be like, well, what happens if he fights Habib? He might be the best stylistic matchup yeah. outside of like maybe Tony or something like that, yeah. right? Make him, make him fight. Time, don't forget. Yeah, and make him fight Islam. Yeah. Make him fight Islam. And I, I think that'd Islam's be sick. Islam's looking for a fight as well. And I, I think Islam Markachev should fight Kevin Lee if Kevin Lee does come back. That's a, that's a tall task for Kevin Lee because Islam is so dominant and so good. Where is Kevin Lee right now? Uh, in terms of what, like, is is he, he got an opponent? Has he got anyone? Booked he has him? not got any opponents. He's currently eleven in the rankling rankings. Yeah. He hasn't fought since his loss against Charles Oliveira, and uh, he's taken a bit of time off to be honest. And um, got some fresh tattoos. Been putting a lot of work in. He's been working. He's been in the gym. Yeah, he's been active. He's been at the UCPI. He's been in. He's been working. So, and he's and he's attempted at like maybe like you know, maybe going out there to fight again, but we just don't know. And he's currently in the ranking, so why not? I'd love to see that fight. Yeah. Okay, now, UFC shit's over. I'm going to put the uh, laptop down. And Jack, I'm going to steal your hat. No, you're not, <laughs> gonna, you're not stealing my hat, like, thank you. Okay, first of all, uh, there's a little bit of a ranting coming. I was so incredibly disappointed with how that press conference was run. That Mayweather. it wasn't meant to be a press conference anyway. They were just meant to say a few things to yeah, each other. Yeah, it was terrible. It was in the middle of a stadium. You couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear it. They had microphone problems. Why is it with the press conference you got to have microphone problems? As big as a fight this would be, you want to have good microphones. And then what? If then like there was no moderator on the stage. No, and it was just an insult contest between uh, Logan Paul and Mayweather. And Logan Paul's like. Oh, I know what you did to your wife, and I know what you I, did in Japan. I, 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 I watched that, and I think that I think that might have been one zero to Logan because Floyd went there. Yeah, he went there because he he, well, he went there a couple of times. He went he went and said the I'm gonna fight Jap you both in one night. Well, yeah, but he said the Japan thing yeah. first, and then Logan was like, "Okay, you went personal. I'll go personal." And the personal was, "I did what you did. I know what you did because he's been known to beat up his wife." <laughs> um, Not even that. He's had. Not just that, not his wife. Oh, he's beat up a few people, he's yeah. He's been up a few, yeah. That's why, that's why a lot of the... I mean, Javante Davis. Not even um, that. <laughs> and not yeah. even that, but a few of his past baby mothers, baby mothers as well. And he even kicked his uh, stripper fiancé out of his house. But that was to, apparently, to uh, prepare, for, prepare the for the fight. I that's don't know. strange, but... Um, and, and actually, apparently, it was stripper fiancé or some shit, like... Yeah, I yeah. Know. I love Do what I find really funny is that they say um, they'll also put tag where they kicked them out of and how much that place is worth. Though they, what they say in the title <laughs> is they always put this in terms <laughs> when it comes to Floyd when they like. It's so funny. Floyd Mayweather kicks out stripper fiance out of um, eleven million dollar mansion, and I'm like. <laughs> Okay, one, why does it matter that they kicked him out of a mansion? Two, why is it an $11 million mansion? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. Why? 
yeah. Why is that relevant? Because it's funny. Like as soon as they as soon as they put like eleven dollar magic, they've already put stripper fiance yeah. kicked out. Head, like buzzwords, buzzwords. Floyd Mayweather. That, that was enough. And then they were like eleven million magic. Like not. In, not important, but thank you. Um, it's it's just funny whenever whenever that's like Floyd Mayweather, they'll be like that. That's essentially what they. He's very. Uh, it's very easy for you to just put like the monetary value yeah. next to it, and that's a buzzword. Um, just giving her half the house or a quarter of the house, and that would still be massive as well. They still wouldn't see her for yeah, ages. Yeah, let like, her go I don't on know. vacation. Don't kick her out. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. You have it's it's just it's weird. But anyway, when we're coming back to the the Floyd thing, um Floyd also brought race into it as well. Yeah, he, he, he he said, you know, and then he said, "Oh, it's always it's always about race." And I was like, eh. you know it's not. He, what he's trying to do is trying to rally fans around and be like, "Yeah, Floyd." And he's trying to rally a lot of fans and which means the more fans he rallies, the more money he makes, yeah. which is essentially, it's just, it's not the best move, right? Without getting too political as well, he needs to fact check a few things because Logan Paul, he is a huge supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. Um, just let's let's rewind the clocks back a year. He did a really really uh emotional podcast and a monologue about America being racist and then he was out mm. and he was protesting a lot like uh, and he was very praised a lot for him so if you want to bring up race and you, logan paul is a he's a massive advocate for um, i i, I think Lo- logan's a good one yeah. if he wants to talk some shit about racism then talk to jake because jake was the one like exactly. he, he was out stealing going like yeah. some people were stealing stuff and he's like recording it and yeah. getting involved and, and things like got that raided by the fbi as well got raided by the after if you want to get upset be upset jake which he did which because he did. uh because jake said all right well then fight me and I, I thought it was funny because i always thought oh jake had to make it about him yeah. didn't he logan's nice moment yeah and he so now he's being banned from the event because he stole uh mayweather's hat okay and then he went got your hat and then you just see mayweather's the funny thing about the hat is not so much the the hat and it being like a five year old thing to be like, "Good, you here?" Yeah. Um, it's that when he took the hat off, Floyd was so upset <laughs> because, and I think it's upset because he's like, "Fuck, no one's supposed to see my half finished hair transplant yeah. and beer transplant." That's the other thing. He you really can see he's got puby hair. Yeah, yeah. It, saw that. It's puby because the thing is, the with the hair transplant, what they've they've taken it from somewhere. Yeah. And then and it's. Honestly, he must have paid a lot of money because yeah. the top looks okay, right? Yeah. The, I think the top looks... It's not finished, yeah. obviously, yeah, which is no, why yeah. he's wearing a fucking hat, which is what made him really very upset because yeah. um, he's like, fuck. Yeah. Um, the one that's funny is the beard The beard because the beard is not beard hair. Yeah. When are you... At, I mean, I know I've, I've shaved today, but that is nice straight hair that goes down and it goes down this way. If you take hair from one spot, which is from your head it does not look the same when you put it on here you can tell there's a difference just like if you have the normal hair here and the transplant is here or here you can see that there's a different in the way it looks you can it's hair but it's it moves in a different way it looks different and that's exactly with floyd he's literally got like puby hair on his on his face yeah and it doesn't look right because it curls whereas if a black guy had a beard it goes down and they have a nice beard, right? It doesn't look right on Floyd because it's not the right hair. 
<laughs> that's just such a weird conversation about my head. I don't know. It's it's, it's just so, and I think that's why that's why Floyd got so upset at I Jake know, because I think he was like, ah, oh, fuck. Two two things, mate. Your name's Floyd Money Mayweather. You could afford like a million hats. Two, you had those giant bodyguards around you and all that. Do you know what? I, w- I would have been. I would have thought it'd be funny if Floyd just like do it. I know this would have been fucking hilarious yeah. to us when I think about it. Imagine if Floyd got his hat stolen and he didn't react at all and he just went. Yeah. A- and then they brought him a fresh, the same hat <laughs> and he just put it back on. <laughs> and then the just took it up and put it on him or something. No, like no, 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 no. Yeah. And he just goes. <laughs> and, the, and the security guard just puts the exact same hat on. Jake steals it again. <laughs> gets a fresh hat. You can buy a thousand hats. It was more the re- disrespect, right? Yeah. And hey. um, that's what was funny that there was a there was a difference between how he reacted to Jake than he did react to Connor because Connor full on slapped him on the fucking head yeah. and he did <laughs> nothing about it, right? Yeah. Because there's a, it's essentially an empty ring with just his like you know promotional stuff. Yeah. Um, at the table, as soon as Jake did it. And there was tons of bodyguards and shit. He ran after him. Yeah, the bodyguards, they swarmed in on him like as well. Just let the, Here's the other thing. One, it was so childish. The whole thing was just so childish. All this over a hat. Then Jake goes and gets a tattoo on his shin. Saying, and he actually, no, he made, uh, he made merch called merch. Gotcha, gotcha there you hat. Go. The whole thing good, was premeditated. Very, it was, I mean, Jake, He's made, good Jake made Logan's thing about him exactly. and made money off it. If anyone should be upset, it should be Logan there because... He told him yeah. not to do it as well. Well, I think Jake probably... Uh, I, I would. I was about to say Jake learned a lesson. He probably didn't because he was wearing he was wearing glasses that entire time. You saw in every, all of his posts, he's wearing glasses. He's wearing glasses on the plane, in the videos and all that. It's because he's been punched in the face. Yeah. He's probably got a black eye right yeah, now. He doesn't he, want he anyone to know, eye. right? He's got, apparently he's got chipped tooth as well. Oh, does he? Yeah. Well, wha- here's what I do know. Logan told him before the... He said to Logan that I'm going to steal his hat. Logan said, don't do it. Please don't do it. Mm. And knew that would kick up the fuss. Two, yes, he did. He got punched in the face and he got a chipped tooth as well. He posted... Because I remember I saw the video of him on his Instagram. And... Yeah, just... The best comment I found on Twitter was... If you if you work with cl- if you work with clowns or yeah. you run around with clowns expect a circus they, oh, and that's beautiful. that's perfect because Lloyd I'm fl- I'm sorry uh, because Connor had an absolute blast at Floyd he's like mate you look childish you're making this whole thing look like a joke you can't even read he, he slapped him on the head yeah just it was it was just a real like shit show they just wanted to have something there to have the fight going I mean the fight's in a less than a month. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I mean, Jake's banned from the thing, but it's just yeah. Jake. Jake brought more attention to the Floyd Mayweather vs. Logan Paul yeah, thing than the fight than, than the fight itself. Because now people are like, oh, I don't want to see Logan Paul versus Floyd. I want to see Floyd knocking out Jake, and all that. which is what Jake was trying to do. He tried. I think Jake was also probably a little bit jealous of Logan that Logan got the opportunity yeah. coming uh, off a loss, and then Paul has been. If you, if you think about it, there is a massive size difference between Floyd and Logan. Massive, but not that much between Floyd and Jake. Mm. There's not too much of a size difference. Because Logan's way, way, way heavier than Jake. But Jake still walks around at around 200 pounds. Fair enough, but he can still cut down. Logan and Jake is essentially 6'1". Apparently, apparently, 6'1". I've had a look and apparently KSI is like 5'10". And then when you see them next to each other, I'm like... 
I and I'm like, you're five ten, maybe five eleven. You're yeah, not six, six one. No, you're six not one. six one. You can quite you can quite easily see that that Logan's like six one, maybe six two. Jake's not. Uh, uh, you lie, yeah. you lying, you lying about your height. Just, just enjoy your money, man. You beat um, what's his name, Ben Askren, and fuck, I don't want to bring that up again, but PTSD. Yeah, I got PTSD from that. It's like it triggers me every time. Uh, Suppre- suppressed memories. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah it. you know. I get it. Anyway, uh, but the point is, the whole thing's silly. He's he stole it, took something that's not about him, made it all about him. In now, like it's known as not the press conference. I know why Floyd was so upset though. It was that damn, damn uh, hat and beard transplant? That's what he's talking about. Yeah. That's who's like, don't disrespect me and my hair. Uh, Very upset. Floyd was raging. Floyd was oh, he was raging. He full took away like he has that normal tone yeah. when he was talking. Like we're money Mayweather, and yeah. then as soon as as soon as like uh, <laughs> hat got turned, he was like, I'll fucking kill you, motherfucker! <laughs> I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. And, he, and then he was like Voltron go and like his Power Ranger buddies oh, were yeah, like that, yeah, yeah uh, and they were they were all like fucking get him and I was like, I thought you were gonna get him Floyd no fucking get him yeah. yeah I don't know it was just it was just a fucking shit show it's it another circus and that's what happens when when you make these fights expect uh, yeah. expect no honor with among you know expect honor with among fighters these guys aren't fighters they're pretend fighters yeah. you know what else is also a massive shit show Joshua Fabio. Oh. We got, we Everyone's calling him Joshua Labia, yeah. which is so funny. <laughs> That's actually really good. Ev- everyone's like calling him Joshua Labia. I yeah, like, I like that. But actually, I want to bring up those um, allegations yeah, that Fabio's been bringing up. Yeah, what one thing I got to bring up is what you you, you just said, Jack, Jack. I don't want to take your line away, but just t- tell me what you said about Joshua Faber last oh, week. Oh no, no, last week because well, he he essentially what he's trying to do is. I think all this publicity is adding to his business, which is the school of self-awareness, right? Yep. And everyone's say, saying like, oh, it's bringing a lot of... I don't think it's bringing good publicity because the school of self-awareness, what are you supposed to learn from <laughs> someone who's fucking not self-aware at all? He's the least, he's the least self-aware person. He's like, <laughs> honestly, people look at him and they're like, you're fucking... He's like, he's he's hanging off pull-up bars, holding kettlebells, he's, yeah. he's playing... A lot of people have been doing like, all right, we're finally getting the fight between Touch Butt in the Park, Ido yeah. Portal, and Joshua Fabia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Here's the thing, that video, like, it's... One thing I hate is just the... um When I'm not a martial arts expert, but I hate watering down of martial arts so much and these stupid practices, like, that people think they're going to use to... Uh, make them better for a fight from people who are not martial arts experts. Well, because Joshua Faber had... I actually went into a deep dive of this, actually, because he has no formal MMA uh, experience. I know that he has some formal connection with Chael Sonnen and that they came around up in the same town and that I think his his dad has something to do with wrestling. But the thing with Joshua Faber is he is... Before he had the school of self-awareness, he actually had a self-defense kind of thing. It was a fitness. It was it was, it was like Joshua Fabia fitness or something like that. And it had to do with self-defense and like Krav Maga and things like that. But it wasn't Krav Maga. It was like a Sistema Krav Maga. Oh. And, it, and the guy that made Sistema Krav Maga says, oh, you know, I came from the Israeli forces. Apparently he only spent 
very short period of time, maybe okay. like two two weeks, getting trained in in the in the, the martial arts service. Okay. So in terms of military aspect, it, there is no real crossover. When it says, "Oh, uh, this has been shown to you know, we've had workshops with military," it's free. Yeah. They can come or they can't come. It's for the public, right? Yeah. In order for you to be a system, a practitioner, and a teacher, and be under that band is, you need a certain amount of money, and you need essentially a weekend to get the course. Just like maybe like a CrossFit certification, you need a weekend yeah. to know, but like a CrossFit school, that's the same kind of thing. Yeah. There's a very loose amount. Of, there's a loose kind of level of qualification in order to get that certain certification, right? And then. On top of the weekend, you need like a baseline of martial art experience. That could be, oh, I did a week of karate, yeah, like, and that and that's it, right? Line. Now, now I actually found the other day Fabia's, um, Fabia's Twitter. Yeah. Um, well, and before you bring up on that, real quick, uh, one thing I just got to say, uh, I would never believe from an outsider perspective that hanging someone upside down and punching them bare knuckle. In the Not face, good. with that, where they had their eyes closed, would be any form of a good practice t- to condition someone. I just think that was not no. It, it maybe you, you know you occasionally see those boxing gloves to the um to the stomach to condition the, you know the core, but not you can't really condition the face by punching bare knuckles. Also, doesn't make sense for you to do that because if you hang upside down, all the blood rushes to your head, and then you just smack them in the head. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why would you it doesn't make sense. It, anyway. It's just it's just fucking CT personified. To be honest, <laughs> fucking hell. Anyways, um, take it away. And to be honest, and to be honest, um, Diego doesn't really need any more trauma to the brain because he's already had a lot. He's had a lot of wars in the octagon. Also, he's taken so many DMT trips. Nobody knows what alien language he's speaking about <laughs> anymore. Um, uh, Fabio's inst- uh, Twitter is so funny to watch because people will send him memes of like the the Spider-Man kisses and be, and it'll be like Joshua Fabio and T- Diego Sanchez and he'll be like, fucking delete this right now. <laughs> um, but yeah. but the, but the thing is, oh no! Yeah, but the, but, the, but, but the funny the funny thing is the funny thing is. The, well, the, well, the disrespect. The disrespect. Uh, but well, the funny thing is that Cowboy actually said uh, and was kind of com- confirming some of the allegations is that they were gay lovers. They were a couple, right? Apparently, um, I've actually watched a few inter- interviews, and Diego's actually said, "No, we're not. We're not gay together, man." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take get your word. You're not gay. Yeah. Um, you may have absorbed too many blows because." When you see that training footage, training footage, it's it's horrific to see. He's yeah. hanging up on, on underneath, and it's just boom. Even Conor McGregor ch- chimed in. He was just like, "Fucking smack him in the nose and leave." Yeah, that's fucked. I think Diego. The issue with this stuff with Joshua Fabia is that he was his. He asked Fabia to be his head coach. Fabia didn't. It was not the other way around. Diego found Fabia at the at the gym, yeah. at a gym, and. Uh, I think he was on the treadmill or something, mm-hmm. and he, and he, and they just ended up talking. And he actually asked him to be his head coach. It wasn't the other way around, right? The issue is Fabio has no expertise, and the reason why Diego is keeping him around is he's formed a really tight connection with Fabio because Diego was going through a lot of a hard shit. He was going through a divorce. He was going through a lot of trauma with the UFC and things like that. And essentially, 
Fabio was his friend. And now to remove Fabio is also to disrespect him and not be very nice, right? Mm. Except Fabio is taking Diego's uh, legacy for a walk and yeah. kind of dumping it in the river. It's yeah. it's it's horrible to see because he's he always makes all these altercations about himself. He's always he's always making things about himself and he's put a few allegations out there. So there was ones that he'd been saying that Dana White has been sleeping with UFC fighters and yeah. things like that. So there's actually a screenshot that he's put up here and this came up on, uh, I believe it was yesterday. For the record, I have not seen these screenshots. Okay, so I'll, I'll read it out to you then. So uh, it's a screenshot and it's Dana White's thing. Um, it's an Instagram DM and it's been certified so it's got the blue tick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been verified on Instagram and it's the same, you know, it, it seems to be legit. Okay. Eat a fat dick, you fuck face. Saying I fuck. Laugh to the end. Laugh to the eat a fat fat dick, you fuck face. Saying I fight fighters, fucking goofball. Um, He. Uh, Fabio responds with, "You won't silence me, you bold fuck. I will. I will expose you." Uh, Dana retorts with expose what goofball how, how you ruined Diego's career or that you're blowing him um, <laughs> Fabio then says I know I know you sent assassins after me and Diego um, assassins Dana said yes I sent D uh, <laughs> I said D and Fabio says D who Dana walked well he walked straight into that one fucking idiot uh, he's not self aware at all uh, Dana said D's nuts you fuck it, you goofball <laughs> so I don't know if, I don't know if this is <laughs> see I don't know if it's true but we know that this that this Twitter is legit because it's followed by a lot of UFC fighters actually um, who posted these DMs Joshua Fabia he released them I got it. okay. If we were journalists, I would take a screenshot of those DMs, go to the next press conference, which will be chat or this is weekend, just to get a confirmation. If we see, uh, I'm gonna watch that press conference, and then when we film our next episode, if that's even li- if that's if that's true, because that's like some schoolyard bullshit. Uh, that's like a high school style. Uh, what is it? A high school comment section on a photo. Of idiots just arguing or a YouTube comment section, idiots just arguing. And then they just took that and it's between like the president of one of the biggest companies right now and fight companies in the world against a guy who's supposed to be the master of self awareness, meaning it's supposed to be like So Josh has a tiny little <laughs> bit of truth to it. It has a tiny bit of truth to okay. it. Cause <laughs> because Dana was with Rhonda. Dana was with Ronda. So on previous podcasts, Brendan Schaub has talked about it because Brendan Schaub has been like, um, what has he said? He's, he's had a bit of an argument with Dana that's well known. Uh, they don't get along well, but Brendan said, hey, we shouldn't be treating each other like this, man. Mm. This isn't, isn't how Eskimo brothers should be talking to each other mm-hmm. because Brendan has been with Ronda and Dana has been with Ronda. Does that give any validity on what uh, Fabio has been saying about, you know, he fucks fighters? <laughs> no. And um, that's a really big fucking claim. Oh, 
Um, there, there was already an issue before in how they might have been trying to produce a lawsuit prior to this, sim- similar to Mike Hunt, right? Um, sorry, not my, uh, Mark Hunt. Um, so with this stuff with Dana, I would stop there, Josh. Don't make any more allegations. Yeah. If you do, you can seri- if you because I'll can be seriously r- get done for this. You'll seriously get done for this. This <laughs> is proper slanderous like allegations. And if you're gonna, and they'll definitely throw a defamation lawsuit against you. Yeah. And the, with the amount of money that Dana has, he could cripple you. And he could make sure that you are not self-aware for the for a <laughs> long time. Knows. Okay. Yeah. Um, you definitely did not send your assassins. That's fucked. Yeah, that's fucked. Um, but I think both of them have just been either hit too many times in the head or too much DMT. I don't know. Maybe yeah. both. But uh, it's all very strange. I just want someone to ask at the press conference: Is this true? Are these DMs true? I hope they're true. They're uh, it because if they're true, that makes it even funnier. I hope it's true. I just don't know if it is. The only issue I see with this is that it looks slightly photoshopped when it comes to the top of the head of okay. the of the thing. Let me see the DMs. If this Fabia account is correct, then perhaps he's maybe made the Photoshop. For the record, the one thing that stands out to me is the font. If you look at the font for Dana White, you notice how it's a little bit um, oh, what is it compressed? I don't think it. Uh, yeah, that that's why I mean it's been it hasn't been. Yeah. it's been altered in terms of that. Uh, in terms of Photoshop, the blue I tick don't know. Questionably, looks like it could have been photoshopped as well. Yeah, that's because true. Because you as meet well. those kind of people on Instagram who can actually photoshop the blue it, tick exactly. So, but the, the, the only the only issue with that is if Fabia's actually, I think, <laughs> I mean, if this Fabia account is actually correct, and I I believe it is because it's got you know it's followed by certain UFC fighters, it's got um, it's got the website for the School of Self Awareness, and it's also going back even before this bullshit. Mm. Um, they were. He was essentially just retweeting all of Diego's um, messages, right? Mm. Um, so it l- seems to check out. The only issue I also see is that he also said, I know is you, Dana White, who called police that I kidnapped and abused Diego Sanchez. You can't silence me, motherfucker. Okay. Um, look, it's very strange. It's very weird. I'm very confused. But I reckon um, time will tell. I reckon this Sunday we'll probably get answers. I, it, it's most likely a fake account. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, it would be hilarious if it's real. It's most likely a fake account, but it is so funny. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. so fucking funny. Right. Um, let's leave it there. Let's let's leave it on that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, guys, killer episode today. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, once again, thank you so much for the support we've received. Three hundred subscribers now. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep pushing until we get all, uh, you know, and then hopefully uh, we'll have a little bit of a breakthrough. Uh, but, but just remember, guys, we're doing this because we love it. We're not doing this, you know, uh, for money or for anything. It's just, we're, too, we're just a couple of guys who love to talk shit. Uh, we love to talk uh, about UFC, fighting, health, all things. 
Anyway, guys, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know the deal. Uh, Jack, anything you want to finish up? I think that's it, dude. All right, man. Thanks again, guys. You take care. Well, guys. Hi, guys.